This is Hope FM. Well, uh, Safe Families is a charity that works with uh, over 30 local authorities up and down the the UK. And obviously they're offering support to families and children. Uh, Locally, uh, Camilla, who's my guest right now in the studio live, it's nice to have a live (laughs) guest, Camilla. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Your job, of course, is is a volunteer uh, manager. But before we talk about Safe Families and so on, let's talk a little about about yourself how did your your first your your own faith journey begin um so i was incredibly blessed i was born into a family who knew and loved jesus and so from as long as i can remember i've known and loved him and i don't remember a point in my life where i ever didn't know or or made the choice it's just something that's kind of grown over the years and i was part grew up in boscombe part of st john's church um which always had a huge heart for community and i think that was just instilled in me from a really young age um, and I haven't really left. I moved away from university, came back, um, but my heart's really been in Boscombe. So been uh, led a missional community there for the last sort of six years, been working for 10 years within that community um, and then started working for Safe Families about three years ago as well. Mm. I so, mean, obviously, the, today's programme's a big focus really on reaching out with had homelessness in the first mm, hour mm. and obviously we're going to talk about family life and communities mm. with you obviously for you it's something that means a great deal to you yeah yeah it really does I think um I also um professionally been a, was a teacher for sort of seven years and my journey into safe families really happened because um I would go into school in the day and I would be working with children who I thought if if we don't do something with your families there is no hope for I don't know what the hope is for you kind of long term really struggling in their environments and then I would come home in the evening and we had an open home and I'd have people around my dinner table from every walk of life but a lot of people who were suffering with addiction or homelessness and so many of them can put a finger on whether it was their childhood or something that happened or going into care and I remember standing on the beach one day and literally screaming at God and saying I can't do this anymore I can't have these two parts of my lives where I'm seeing what could happen to these children at my dinner table in the evening and I said to God you have to do something about this you know I can't keep fighting fires like I need to be part of the prevention of this I need to be part of the prevention of children going into care of what we can do to help some of these families um, and then that Sunday, Chris, who, who's my boss now, stood up in my church at Coastline and he said, um, he told us about Safe Families and about the incredible impact that the work was happening. And I thought, well, sign me up as a volunteer. I thought, I'm in. And I found myself applying for a job instead. And as I was doing it, I was like, this feels right, but God, I'm not ready to leave teaching. I don't know what's happening. And within a month, I'd, I got the job and had left teaching. And I often say, you know, when God, <laughs> when we ask God to move a mountain, we need to be prepared to wake up next to a shovel and so I kind of feel safe families is my shovel really <laughs> yeah it's interesting because uh, Pete in the first side of the program he, he was saying that you know, he says, God doesn't talk to me very often but but all the way through I was saying God never shuts up as far yeah. as you're concerned and it's the same exactly exactly the same for you because often God says well actually you're the you're the solution to the to what you're shouting at me about yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. I mean he's got a sense of humor hasn't he <laughs> now obviously all that all that journey was to lead you to Safe Families uh, UK. Why that organisation? How did you connect with it? So it was literally through that Sunday when um, when Chris uh, Sturpin shared. And I was actually sat next to my pastor that Sunday. And uh, he leaned over to me and he said, do you realise, he said, in Chicago where this started 20 years ago, they've seen the rate of children entering care half. 
And I thought, this is incredible. And just as I've, we've worked more, we've done more research as we've um, been working for Safe Families, we've seen the rates of care drop in local authorities that we've worked in. And that can only be a good thing for children um, because the long-term impact of a child going into care is, um, is enormous for the rest of their lives. So... Um, yeah, that's that's what I love um, loved about it initially. But really, that's the the baseline of what we do. I mean, at a minimum, we want to stop children going into care. But the most important thing we want to do is actually connect families into community where families no longer just survive, but they thrive. And so really, that's at the heart of what we do is that actually the church is, has been doing that for millennia, has been caring for people and creating community where people can come be a part of, that they can come and thrive, that they can come and know their truest selves, that they can raise their children with aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and grandparents that they may not have biologically. And so at the heart of everything we do, is how can we connect families into community and if that stops going children into care then that's brilliant but actually children thriving and families thriving um, is incredible because the best thing for a child is to be in their healthy family that is always the best thing for a child this is hope fm camilla you were saying that the whole organization started in the states in, mm-hmm. in chicago um tell us something about why why was it born so it started um with a by a guy called Dr. Dave Anderson, who still is involved with Safe Families. He is a child psychologist. And one day a mum came into his office and said to him, "Um, I'm going through some stuff. I just, I can't have my children with me right now, but just let me go and get myself sorted and I will, I'll I'll have them back and, and it will be much better. But I just, I can't do it with them around at the moment. And he found himself saying to her, well, unless you actually abuse your children, I actually can't do anything about it. And as he was saying this, he thought, this is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever said. Why is it that we have to wait for children to be abused? After the horse has bolted. Before we actually do anything to help them. Mm. So him and his wife were foster carers as well. So they they went back uh, to his wife and he said, what do you think? Do you think we could take these kids for a while? And... um, and she agreed and so they did and this mum got back on her feet the children went back to live with her a couple of months later and the family began to thrive and he thought there's something in this there's nothing really that's doing that kind of early prevention so um yeah that was how it all all started and really grew from there so they're working now across 30 so states in 60 cities um and then it came to the uk because uh uh, a guy called Peter Vardy, also Peter Vardy. Of, of Ford Car fame. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's him. So he'd sold Reg Vardy and um, really wanted to put his money into something that would change the social fabric of Britain. So he started by building some um, academies up north and really investing in the north um, northern areas. And he found himself in young offenders institutes, chatting to the young men and women that were there and realised the number of them that had been in care. And he thought, why, why, why have we let it get this far? Surely there's got to be something that means we can go further upstream to stop people falling in the river to begin with. Um, and uh, he couldn't find anything in the UK. So took Ian Duncan Smith over, who was the education minister at the time. They went over, they met Dave Anderson and brought, say, families back uh, to the UK in 2013. Started up in the north um, West and has gradually, well, rapidly actually, been making its way over the last seven years across the UK. So we now work in partnership with over a thousand churches and uh, over 30 local authorities across the country. Um, 
supporting families that hit a crisis um, and trying to connect them into community. Now, obviously, Safe Families UK isn't a fostering agency as such. As you say, the, the object is to keep people out of the, the system, as it, as it were. Uh, but tell us a wee bit about the model. So hard, hard, I mean, I know you, you're now yourself going out and chatting as your boss was whenever mm. you were trying to. So what, what sort of things do you share with folk in terms of what, you, what the model is? How does it work? So we really are family-centred. Um, so uh, we... We basically ask the families that we work with, what is it that you feel would your family would need to thrive? And really then we help them to do that. So we work in partnerships. So we're commissioned by the local authorities. Um, so we work in partnership with them. And um, then our referrals can come in from schools. They can come in from social workers. They can come in from all sorts of different places. And uh, our family support manager will go out, meet with the family, really ask them that question and essentially do a coaching session with them to say, well, what would it what would it be that would really help your family to thrive? Now, for some families, it may be Gee, we just are so isolated. We need someone to talk to. Um, it could be that a family says, um, I am so anxious about going out into the community, but I would love to go to a toddler group. It could be that their house is so cluttered and full of things that they just don't know where to begin and so we can connect them with then a family friend who can come in once a week for an hour two hours and just help them with those things those goals they want to be able to achieve but it may also be that um the family need a bit of respite now for a lot of people out there we have the luxury of friends that we trust we have the luxury of parents that are nearby who can take some of that burden who can give parents just a night off so they can breathe but many of the families that we work with haven't had an evening off in years decades sometimes and so we because we're not a fostering agency we don't take children long term but what we can do is offer a weekend away so a host family who's got a spare room in their house who could take a child couple of children for the weekend give them a great weekend while a parent rests and probably has a bath and just does the things that they just need to do and sleep probably um and so that's something else that we can offer to families as well and so we've just we've been working in bournemouth paul and christchurch um we were working solely with Bournemouth until the merger and we've just been recommissioned uh, across Bournemouth, Paul and Christchurch with that hosting element as well. So we're recruiting, you know, both family friends and um, host families. And a host family doesn't have to be a family. It can be a single person. As long as there's a spare room with a, a spare bed in a house, then um, then that's something that families can can kind of access and as well. Of course, I was going to then ask you about how you identify the most vulnerable families, but I guess that that's where the link with the local authority uh, is so critical because often they often know where those families at risk are. Yeah, that's it. And and I think um, for a lot of for a lot of churches, we want to be out in our communities and we want to be out serving the people that really, really need us. And we, we really want to be able to do this. But in this day and age, with all the red tape, with all of the safeguarding stuff that's out there, that actually can feel a massive undertaking for any church to do. And so really, Safe Families then acts as that professional front. So we... You, you handle the red tape. Exactly. And so we talk ourselves as being either like the bridge or the matchmakers, the safety net for the church 
um, to connect them then with those families from the local authorities. Um, and so, yeah, that, and that's really what we, we really love to do. Um, and so we take all of that hard work. So we go and do all the risk assessments. So we would never send a, a volunteer, a family friend or a host family into a situation that we didn't feel was safe enough for them. Um, and so and then our family support managers oversee all the liaising with social workers and schools and the families and all that stuff just to leave the church to be able to go and do what the church do best, which is love people really well and be there in the midst of their crisis. And it's great, actually, because as you say, red tape has got in the way. I mean, safeguarding, of course, is so important. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that uh, certainly I'm very much involved with with BCP and its fostering team, you know, and uh, and safeguarding, of course, is right at the heart. I always say that foster carers, they're the salt of the earth, but it, it, it sounds to me as if the, the, the huge group of people that work with you are equally those... Salt of the earth people, the people who are looking beyond themselves, Mm. you know, to to make a real difference. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And we're talking uh, Safe Families uh, UK and uh, Camilla Holly is my very special guest. Now, Camilla, your job within the organisation is uh, volunteer manager. So I guess that involves going out and talking to a lot of people in in churches and organisations and so on. Uh, But anyway, you tell me, what does it entail? Yeah, a lot of that. Um, really, it's, um, I mean, it's lots of cups of teas with amazing people, which I love. Um, <laughs> so uh, I go and meet with church leaders, talk about how we can partner together to help them meet the needs in their community. Um, I then will often go and talk to churches. Um, so for 10 minutes on a Sunday, uh, just around some of the, the things that have been happening and how people can get involved. Uh, and then I help the volunteers then through that process. So uh, the process is really unarduous um, and actually quite cathartic, which uh, which I really love. And so what we do is we obviously have to do all the necessary checks, um, but we'll do obviously DBS checks, take references. Uh, we do a day's training which has been different in lockdown, doing it over Zoom and all the rest of it. Um, And we'll also, um, I will then, uh, or one of our community volunteer managers from across the South will come and meet with a family friend or host family and spend a couple of hours with them and just hear about their lives, their background, uh, their kind of motivations for wanting to come on board, just so we can get to know them really well. Because we don't ever want to send somebody into a situation where they would be uncomfortable where something might trigger for them from their own experience. But equally, we recognise that there is a wealth of experience and a wealth of journey that people have gone through um, that actually they want to be able to then pass on and be able to help others with. So that's partly why we do the process. Um, and then um, we have an, an, a panel essentially where um, we then kind of decide to say yes or or no to um, a volunteer who comes forward Mm. Um, and so we have host families who host in their homes we have family friends who go out into communities once a week and also during lockdown we started virtual support as well so a lot of our um, uh, support had to everything had to go virtually and but actually what we found was actually that's for for a lot of families has been really useful so maybe during the day they can't um, meet with somebody but actually on the phone is much easier so we've started to now recruit um more remote volunteers as well um who can provide support over the phone so there's obviously a variety of ways in which a volunteer can interact you know mm-hmm. from from other obviously opening up their home to being one of those the visitors and, and so on what sort of qualities are you looking for in in the average volunteer um 
as somebody with a heart, a real desire to want to help, who maybe isn't quite sure how to be able to do that, um, and who is a good listener and cares. And that really is what it comes down to, just the real basics of Christian character, if I'm completely honest. Um, we really don't, we don't require people to have um, a lot of experience with children or a lot of experience with families or social care or anything like that. In fact, some of our most incredible volunteers don't have that. They just have a real heart to be and to be with people. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really... And probably a bit of patience and a bit of tenacity as well. Um, but, yeah. And I guess it can be probably a wee bit nerve-wracking for them, really, because, uh, I mean, I guess you'll have some stories of the first engagement, you know, with a family or, or, some, or having the first children to stay. Or, you know, it probably sounds a bit daunting, isn't it? You know, oh, but, completely. Uh, but mm. what, what, are they like, uh, what are they like afterwards, you know, when, when they've done it? <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, often the fear of things is almost so much worse than actually doing it. And I think that's often what stops us is the fear. And so I think we, when we can take some of that out, because our, our family support manager goes with you the first time to meet the family. They're there on the end of the phone if you need them. Um, they can step in and help in any way, shape or form. So it takes a lot of the nerves out of it, I think, because our family support managers are so good at kind of walking the journey with our volunteers but you're right like it can be really nerve-wracking but actually one of the things that comes back time and time again from volunteers is like oh I just don't think I'm making a difference I don't think we're just having a cup of tea and chatting and then we'll go back to the family and they'll say this is literally changing our lives and so that's what's so lovely is that you know my favorite phrase is the big is in the small the big is in the small it's constantly doing the small things with great love as mother Teresa used to say and I think often we think oh you know my life has to be big and count for something enormous but it really is in the small the everyday little things often the things that we take for granted um, are often things that our families are completely lacking in and so it doesn't take much at all to really come alongside a family and love them well and love them into thriving and of course most importantly it's making a big difference to the lives of the families and the children in those families that, 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 that you're working with I guess that's where the great reward must come mm. in seeing the difference to those families yeah and when our volunteers our family managers go in um, at right at the beginning they do a sort of coaching session where they they sit with the family and go well where do you think you're at on a scale of one to ten around where your family relationships are at and how's your well-being and how's your mental health and to see the difference after sort of six months support of in families well-being is is often just incredible to see you know that um in i think it's up to sort of 90 percent of cases that parents will say they've got increased confidence or they've um maintained where they're at where they're at or getting better and so it's just yeah I mean those kind of statistics are incredible and then when we start talking to local authorities and and hearing about the levels of care that are then coming down in terms of children being removed from families and we've seen you know families really come often from the the edge of care into functioning safe outside of social care so we support families at at varying levels we don't we we won't support uh, a family where the child's on child protection simply because um it's it's buy-in from the family so when a family's told they have to do something we don't find that that is as effective so they really have to buy into it so they get to choose the support or not to have it and because they've got that buy-in and because it's what they want we often find that that's a far more effective way of being um 
But we can also support families where they're coming, stepping out of child protection. They're doing really, really well. But social, there's nothing to bridge that gap. And so what you have is the revolving door that the next crisis hits, that family go back up into social care and it goes yeah. round and round. So if we can help families just reduce and reduce um, their... Um, Th- those kind of levels then that's a really a really powerful thing not only for local authorities in terms of children in care numbers but also for those the societal impact of those families then thriving now the one thing we haven't talked about is of course that safe, safe families uk is a, is a christian organization mm. the motivation is faith but i guess that quite a lot of the families that you're working with would not necessarily have that faith uh, themselves what, what how do you how does that work out then it, we really don't find it to be a problem at all. All the local authorities and the families know that we're a Christian organisation. Um, we recruit volunteers who are of faith and are not of faith as well. And we also work with families who are of many different faiths and none at all. Um, and so we really believe that as we are being the hands and feet of Jesus, as we are modelling and demonstrating the love of Christ, you know, those those families often do find themselves in different ways connecting with interchurch communities, be it through a toddler group, be it through whatever. And um, and while we're not directly proselytising um, as an organisation, actually the love that those families feel from those church communities is incredible. Um, and if families want to walk that journey, then we're really happy for them to do that. And if they don't, then there's no way that we would we would push that on them. So. Was it Francis of Assisi who said, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use yeah. words? <laughs> but, yeah. but of course, it is very much you know, in the, in the working out of our faith. And of course, you're unashamedly a Christian organisation. Mm-hmm. And I guess the families know that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they do. Mm. So lockdown. Mm. 18 weeks can I can't believe it you know what uh, how, how have you been able to operate during that time yeah I mean it has been incredible it has um yeah it's it's been a whirlwind um we in lots of ways were already set up for something like this to happen so we were really brilliantly placed we work remotely as a team anyway so we're often in working from different places out and about um so that side of things meant that everything could just continue we didn't have to do a huge amount of adapting in terms of the way that we work um obviously we then had to move everything virtually but it still meant that we could call um call families we could do our initial visits and things like that um and we actually then offered on top of our normal service to local authorities a covid support so where we can support families just for this lockdown so we were then busy recruiting we called our covid volunteers our time to connect volunteers who've been offering incredible virtual support um, for families during this time and then the churches have just been incredible in their generosity so one of the ways that people can support us is by becoming resource friends and um, that's either through financially through giving monthly but equally um, we can put a resource out so we have had numerous laptops donated and bought for so many different things to help children in schools just the incredible generosity of people within churches who've seen the need and risen to meet it and so it has been incredible and then we've been working in partnership with um, Coastline Vineyard and St Clements who have been doing an incredible job getting food out to places so we've been I've literally got to go after this to go and do our next round of deliveries of food boxes for families um, just to see them through this kind of lockdown period as well so it has been busy but uh. but amazing and we've supported over that time um, in the south we've supported 133 new families which is 290 children um, and we've um, in Bournemouth Bournemouth Pool 
Christchurch and Dorset, we've supported 22 families mm, this just fan- during lockdown. Fantastic. So it's been well, busy. Well, finally, Camilla, and thank mm. you so much for being my guest today. If, uh, if somebody wanted to know more perhaps become a volunteer chat to you some more what what should they do go to the website yeah best thing to do is go to the Safe Families UK website just make sure it's Safe Families UK otherwise you'll get taken to the American one Um, and then there's a little button that says um, volunteer click on that and you can just send me an inquiry and we can um, we can take it from there I can give you a call Um, equally there's an email address on there if you just want to drop us an email For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.